And I can tell you the day that's going to happen. In the day that you think not. That's what the word says. He also says that there will be a time when people say, Oh, the Lord delayeth is coming. You ever heard that said more than now? We've been hearing that for years. Oh, that means we're years closer to it happening, don't it? In the hour that you think not, we'll be going home. Some of you won't. Some of you will. They were singing a song a little while ago that he set me free. Any in this place, anybody in this place you've ever been set free? Can I see your hand? Oh, I'm going to tell you something. I about took off, Marvin. Because in just a couple of months, November the 29th, it'll be 41 years ago, he set me free in the living room of my home. Changed my life and my wife. <laughs> it could have. Let me share something, part of her story, because it might be part of your story. Not long after I got saved, I was invited down to Tomball, Texas, to speak at a Bear Creek High School. Some of you possibly have heard of that, a big 6A school down there, and I was going to speak in an assembly before the school, and they were expecting four to 500 people before school, young lady that had come to a church youth camp that I'd been a part of had gotten saved. Her life was turned around. She had to petition and go before the uh, school board there in Houston and, and do all of the necessary things to get permission for them to begin to have uh, a Bible study. But it had to be prior to school. We got down there, and uh, her dad happened to be a vice president of a big major oil company based there in Houston, and we stayed in the home with them, and we had about 150 kids come to their house the night prior. Afterwards, and there were many lives touched and changed, and afterwards I said to my wife, I might need to have you share a little bit of your testimony. And I want you to listen to this. Because maybe you feel like this. She said, I don't have one. She says, I've never been a drunk. I've never done drugs. Hadn't slept around. Hadn't killed anybody. She said, I don't have one. And I said, Glenda, that's the greatest testimony of all times. You see, you were never so weak that you needed a crutch called alcohol or drugs or some other form of trying to find satisfaction. You see, that's for weaklings like me that just flowed and went along with the crowd because everybody was doing it. Yes, Jesus saves, he delivers, he keeps, he satisfies, but there's not a stronger testimony 
for my ears to hear than that person that came to know Christ at an early age that has faced all of the temptations that each and every one of us has but yet has stayed without committing to those things because they were based on a firm foundation of an adoration of a loving God that forgave their sins and cleansed them and came into their life and imparted the spirit of God into their life that he saves, he keeps, and he satisfies. So tonight, if you're in this house and you grew up in a Christian home and you never killed anybody and you never did drugs and all of that, I want you to understand something. You have a testimony. You see, you were set free, believe it or not, from the law of sin and death. There is no greater miracle that can be told than how a person that was once destined for hell, that fast can be changed and their destiny become heaven. Because of a relationship and knowing Jesus Christ. But in this journey and on this journey, we encounter tough times, tough situations. I can't and wouldn't dare go into details, but my week has been filled with counseling and talking with people that's lives are devastated pain and problems and issues and circumstances and some facing prison terms and sentences and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, by the way, I'm not exempt from my own personal problems. You understand what I'm talking about? And I have found that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'm going to read two verses and then I'm going to flip over to Psalms 34 if you want to head that way. Right now I'm on page 1046 in my Bible. And then... Uh, I'm headed to uh, page 506 when I leave there. But now listen to this and see if this doesn't somewhat sound like life in the 21st century right here in East Texas and Northwest Louisiana or wherever you may be from. It says this, we're hard pressed on every side yet not crushed. We're perplexed but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. Turn, if you would, to Psalms 34. Lord dropped this in my heart yesterday, actually, and I told Duke and them in the office this morning, we have coffee and we tell a bunch of lies every morning and then we repent and we get our day started. And We were sitting in there drinking coffee and, and I said, y'all, I'll tell you something, I'm about half scared to death. And they said, what? And I said, man, I feel like I know what the Lord's wanting me to preach. That's two weeks in a row. He's told me a day ahead of time. That don't happen very often. <laughs> but this is what the Lord wants me to share with you because like, we read in 2 Corinthians, is there anybody in this place that you sometimes feel depressed? You sometimes feel like you've been cast down and you feel like that the weight of the world is upon your shoulders and you're facing circumstances that you possibly don't know what to do, which way to turn. You don't know if you're scratching or winding and you just don't know. Well, David, the psalmist David is a, good somebody to look to we see in there where uh no one when trouble arose would you know, david would always go straight to god in prayer 
And then when deliverance came, the answer to the prayer manifested. No one ran faster to the Lord to give thanks and praise than David. And we need to learn from him those traits in that we need to, when trouble arises and pressure arises and circumstances arise, instead of going to people first, we need to go to God first. And then when the, we need to be careful of the people that we allow to speak into our lives because I want you to understand something. When the Word of God says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Why is that? Because ungodly people will give you ungodly advice. Ungodly advice often ends in ungodly circumstances and often will take you into a deeper and darker and worse situation than you're already in. Anytime somebody says, is so really quick, I'm going to give you a real good piece of advice. Anytime somebody's real good, quick to say, well, I'll tell you what I'd do. <laughs> You better run. You better run. If the counsel that you receive is opinion, don't receive it. If the counsel that you receive can't be backed up scripturally, you see, God has an answer in the pages of his word for every circumstance that you face. Every battle that you'll fight, he has the counsel. Oh, wonderful counselor, mighty God, the everlasting Father. You won't get any wiser counsel. You won't get any more powerful counsel than what will come from the word of God. Now, let me just add this in there free of charge. It's not always going to taste good. It's not always going to be easy to do. I, one thing that I have discovered, that the plan of God and serving God, it's easy. It's, it's, it's a simple plan. Very hard sometimes to carry out. Anybody else discovered that? It's hard to deny the flesh. It's hard to forgive somebody when they've wrongfully and despitefully used you. It's hard to bless them and not curse them. Whew, I ain't going to go there. But I want to talk to you tonight as God's children. If you're a child of God, this message is to you. If you're not, if you're a sinner, this don't apply to you. Now, you're welcome to listen. And you can become saved before you leave this place tonight. We're going to give you a chance, I believe. Psalm 34 is why God's hurting, struggling people have hope. Why God's hurting, struggling people have hope. Psalm 34 verse 11. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear in this sense is... is uh, means to reverence or to be in awe of. We need to have a reverence of God. We need to be in awe of his majesty and the essence of who he is. So come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil 
and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil, do good, seek peace, and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are upon their cry, are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. He guards all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants, and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Why God's hurting, struggling people have hope. Very quickly, in verse 17, the first thing I'd like to make remind you of, you already know everything I'm going to say, but in verse 17, the point I want to make is it says that uh, the Lord hears our cries. Cry unto the Lord. Call on the Lord. He'll show you great and mighty things. You know, I've talked about before, and you've heard it, and true it is, and there's biblical illustrations of blind Bartimaeus. It's the cry of the desperate that stops Jesus in his tracks. You can't be flippant or half-hearted or ho-hum about it, but when you get serious, when you're desperate, when you are open and honest with yourself and open and honest with God, you have his attention. The other is the touch of the sincere. You remember the woman with the issue of blood that had spent all that she had on physicians and was none better. In fact, she was worse. How the word says that she believed that if she could just touch the hem of his garment, she could be made whole. And how when she touched him, her blood stopped and Jesus felt the virtue flow from his body. He stopped immediately. So it's the cry of the desperate and it's the touch of the sincere. Both stopped Jesus in his tracks. Are you desperate tonight? Are you sincere? Or are you just going to play the game again, along any longer? Sometimes we go to church to be seen. You know, I've, I've had business. I've heard, overheard businessmen. I hadn't, they didn't tell me. But I've overheard businessmen at restaurants talking about which church they go to. And they go there because it is filled with potential customers. I'm telling you the truth. We should come to church to corporately worship the king. To have a word of inspiration and hope or a challenge given to us. And the word tells us to encourage one another. You see, when we walk out those doors into our own personal lives, each of us has a battle to fight. Each of us has a walk to walk. Each of us has a, a, a destiny to fulfill. And there are times that you need encouragement. There are times that I need encouragement. I love the story how, and I've shared it many times about how Moses, you remember when he would, his arms were up, the, the Israel would prevail. But as his arms would come down, they would begin to lose. So Aaron and her uh, set him down on a rock and one got on one side one got on the other and they held his hands up so that Israel could prevail I want you to know at some point in time 
you're going to need to be the one sitting on the rock having your hands held up. There are other points in time when you're going to need to be standing there holding someone else's hands up because we all get punch drunk. We all get arm weary as we fight this spiritual fight. As we go through life, we become tired. The scripture says, don't grow weary in doing the right thing. For in due season, you'll reap if you don't faint. If you don't quit. If you don't get tired and give up. And the way that you don't get tired and give up is that you remind yourself and you be convinced of the fact that God hears my cries. Then in verse 16, we see where God opposes their enemies. For the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. I want you to know the devil works through people. Let me try that down here. The devil works through people. But you've got to remember that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. People are not our enemies. It's the spirit. Our battle is in the spiritual realm. We don't wrestle flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. But we got the power by God to pull those down. But we've got to step up and exercise God's word. We don't pull them down in and of ourselves. Word of God says that if we submit to the Lord then we can resist the devil and he'll flee from us. I, I, I really hear people quote, misquote that so often and I go, do you realize what you're saying? They'll go, you know the word says just resist the devil and he'll flee from you. No, he won't. He'll laugh at you because in and of yourself, you're nothing to him. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And if I am submitted to him, committed to him, Walking in his ordinances, being led by his spirit, standing on his word, speaking the word of God. I'm armed and dangerous and I'm a threat to the devil and he knows it. So get out of the flesh and get in the spirit. Recognize that in that the Lord fights your battles and that he is spiritually against those. When the enemies come, one way they'll turn and go seven. I'm going to hurry right along, verse 18, from my third point. God heals our hurts. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers from them all. This is just a brief word of encouragement and exhortation to you tonight. And I don't know what it is specifically that you're fighting, but I do know this. If you'll fight the fight of faith, if you won't quit fighting, if you'll look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, and remember and remind yourself that God hears our cries, he opposes our enemies, he delivers us and heals our hurts, we'll continue to be victorious. Could you bow your heads real quickly? and We're going to close. You're in this house tonight and you say, Dennis, man, I, I, I really took to heart those words that we're hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. In my own life, I'm facing some things that I don't know what to do.
But I am in a battle. Could I see your hand? I want to pray for you. Anyone, anywhere? Yes, there's several hands going up. In the balcony. Yes, 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 yes. Maybe you're in this place tonight and you're one of those that I addressed earlier when you said that you're not a Christian, but that you can be. I'm going to give you a chance right now to simply receive what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary. He said in his word about being saved that if we believe that he's God's son that came to this earth, lived a sinless life, was faithful to the mission for which he came and that he died a cruel death on a cross. He shed his blood to redeem sinful man back to holy God. But he didn't stay dead. He walks out of a grave alive and well today. And he's coming back to planet earth physically one day to receive us and take us to that place that Skeeter sang about with that midnight cry. And tonight, if the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart that you need change, you need to accept the free gift of eternal life and you need to repent and ask God to cleanse your sins. If that's you in this house tonight, could I see your hand? Anyone, anywhere you say, Dennis, that's me. Just slip it up, slip it right back down. Yes, sir, thank you. Anyone else? Slip it up. Maybe you're here tonight and you, you fall in the category of that prodigal son or daughter. You know, if you're a prodigal son or daughter, you know the, the answer to your problem. That's to return to your heavenly father. He's standing here tonight with his arms held wide open, saying, come on. If that's you, could I see your hand? Real quickly, just slip it up, slip it right back down. Anyone, anywhere, you say, that's me. I need to get some things right. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Very quickly. Very quickly, and I'm going to move on. Slip it up again. I think I missed one. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. I explained the plan briefly, but now I want to go further and say this. My prayers can't save you. The Word says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. So I want to lead you in a prayer right now. There was one for salvation and four for a rededication. You pray this from a sincere heart and watch what God will do in your life. Let's pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. And I recognize the fact that I can't save myself. Only you can do that. I do believe you're God's son that loves me, died for me, but that you're alive today and you desire to give me eternal life. So I ask you now to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me with your blood, to come into my life and save me. Help me, Lord, to learn your ways, to be sensitive to your voice, to impart your word in my heart so that I can be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, you saw hands go up across this place of people that are in the middle of battles. That's why you gave me this word of hope and encouragement tonight. God, I just pray that tonight that your word has reminded them of who you are and who they are in you and that you will not forsake them, you will not leave them, you will not allow more to be placed upon them than they can bear, but it's imperative 
that their eyes be on you, that their focus be on you, that, Lord, that they be consecrated to you, sold out to you, not lukewarm, not double-minded, but convinced in their heart that you're the only way. God, I pray tonight for a fresh touch. I pray, Lord, that you would once again Bring up a well within their soul. Let the peace of God that surpasses understanding come into their hearts, Lord. Fill them with the joy of the Lord that's their strength. Lord, once again, let your peace rule and reign in their life. Even though they may not see the answer in the physical, but they have a confidence in their spirit knowing you got the answer on the way and that you're an on-time God. You won't forsake them. You won't fail them. God, we thank you for testimonies that are to come. Lord, we thank you for the opportunities that they'll have to share how good you've been to them. No one looking around, please. I feel like the Lord would have me to pray for troubled marriages. Anybody in this place got a troubled marriage? Slip your hand up, slip it right back down real quickly. It'll take guts. Thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Real quickly, slip it up. Get it up and get it down. Yes, sir, thank you. Lord, we know that the home is under attack. We know that the devil doesn't always cause it, that sometimes we cause it ourselves. And so, God, I pray for these three that have raised their hands, and I ask tonight, God, that you would help them to eat a big dose of humble pie and to swallow their pride and to look their spouse in the face and earnestly and honestly ask for forgiveness. Whether they were right or wrong is not the issue. What is the issue is that healing and restoration come. That unity be restored. God, I pray that you would do a work in their marriages. I pray that you would save that marriage. I pray, God, that it would become the marriage that will be the model marriage in the families of the people that know them. Lord, give them the answers. Help them to walk it out and to work it out. Should there be any children involved, pray, Lord, I ask now that there would be emotionally protected and that their minds would be protected and that no harm would come near them. Lord, we thank you for those that were obedient to that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to make one announcement real quickly, and then I'm going to turn it over to Nate to finish up. In three weeks, September the 8th, we're going to baptize some folks out at Robert and Linda Deleuze Ranch, Star 3 Ranch, right here in Wascom on Public Road 1139. We'll have some directions and some stuff a little later on, you. but what we need for you to do we need to know if you're going to be baptized. We want you to contact the office or talk to me. We need to have a head count. We're going to break the tradition. I mean, we'll be back in here baptizing again later on. Don't get me wrong. It's important if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior to follow up in baptism. We want to provide you a real unique opportunity to come out to Star 3 Ranch and to be baptized cowboy style, which is no different than any other style. You're going to get wet all over. But uh, 
contact the officer, talk to me if you do that, and we'll have further information for you that a little bit later. Thank you, Pastor.